Our scripture lesson today, it comes from Paul. He was writing to the church in Thessalonica that he had started. And so let's share in God's good word together. See that none of you repays evil for evil, but always seeks to do good to one another and to all. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God and Christ Jesus for you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. John, can you get me to the first one? There we are. Thanks. Friends, there are very, very, very many people in the world today, this very morning, that did not have the kind of breakfast that you had. It wasn't available to them. Many millions of children at this very moment are hungry. Bishop Desmond Tutu says it this way. He says, now, of course, friends, it's not your fault. But you woke up from a warm bed, didn't you? You were able to have a shower, you put on clean clothes, and you were in a home that is warm in the winter. Now, just think of the many who are refugees at this very moment, who wake up in the morning. And there's not very much protection for them against the rain that is pelting down, or really against anything else. Perhaps there is no warmth or food or even just water. It is to say in a way, yes, you do want to count your blessings. You do want to count your blessings, amen? You do. I mean, we are blessed people. What you have available to you, the ability for us to come here and worship and air conditioning uh, and comfy seats, it's amazing. We, we take it for granted so often. You are a blessed, blessed people. And it's not just the right thing to do to count your blessings. It's actually good for you. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about gratitude today. We are in a series on joy. And as a way of introduction, we say this each and every week, that we are created for joy. We are born for joy. Say that with me. We are created for joy. We are born for joy. And not only that, we worship a God of joy. This week, I had uh, two members of our church email me the same quote, and so I thought I would use it to share it with you. It's from Brother David Steindl Rast. He's a uh, Benedictine monk in the Catholic tradition, and he writes this. He says, joy is the happiness that does not depend on what happens. That's pretty good. Joy is the happiness that does not depend on what happens. It is the grateful response to the opportunity that life offers you at this moment. So over the last number of weeks, um, we have been looking at the four qualities of the mind that lead to joy. Uh, They are perspective, humility, humor, and acceptance. We looked at those. And then last week, we started the four qualities of the heart. And so those four qualities um, are forgiveness, gratitude, compassion, and generosity. So last week, we looked at forgiveness. This week, we're going to look at gratitude. Now, forgiveness is hard. I I get that. It is a very difficult thing. It is the only pathway to life and relationship, but it can be super difficult. Forgiveness is the only way to heal ourselves and to be free from the past. We have to start here because it is the way of healing. It is the way to life, to heal ourselves and to be free. Uh, This week, I came across a, a quote around forgiveness that I thought might be helpful to you. We didn't use it last week, uh, but I found it and I thought, yeah, it it is so difficult. Uh, So let me try to reframe it for us. Forgiveness is a gift you give to yourself. Hear, Hear that, friends. Forgiveness is a gift you give to yourself. To be at peace, to be happy, 
and to be able to sleep at night. You don't forgive because you're weak, but because you are strong. Strong enough to realize that only by giving up on resentment will you be happy. It's it's your choice. It's our choice. But that happiness, that joy is not going to come. But it is our choice. And it can be super difficult. But it is a gift. It's a gift you can give yourself. So this week we move on to gratitude. And gratitude allows us to see what is good and right and not just what is bad and wrong. And certainly this week of all weeks, if you turned on the TV, you looked at your news feed, you looked at a paper, you could easily see what was bad and wrong in our world today, in our country, in Uvalde, bad and wrong. And it takes some intentionality to move our lens to what is good and right and to focus on that as well. They all happen at the same time. It's not one or the other. It's both and. Our world is good and right, and there's also parts of it that are bad and wrong. So it depends a great deal on your position, your posture, especially to the Lord. Paul writes uh, from jail under military guard uh, to the church in Philippi that he had started. And he writes these words. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you. Constantly praying with what? Joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. Friends, he is in prison. He is awaiting his execution. And yet he writes in joy and he is thanking God in that moment. William Barclay, when uh, he wrote on this particular passage, he talked about the power of position and posture, particularly when it comes to the Lord. He says, if we face the sun, the shadows will fall behind us. Just think about that. Sun's there, you're facing it, shadows are behind you. But if we turn our backs on the sun, all the shadows will be in front. If you turn your back on the light and the love, the compassion and mercy of God, everything you see before you is darkness. Shade, shadow. But if you will turn your face towards the light, towards the Lord, towards love and forgiveness and mercy, all of that goes behind you. The shade simply goes behind you. The shadows go behind you. The way you face the world, the way you face the Lord makes a huge difference in your life. And even the way you see the world. It can be a very scary place or it can be a place of beauty. I didn't make this up. I don't know who did, but I, I think it's really true Uh, Maybe you've heard this. If you want to be poor, find some rich friends. It's really that simple, isn't it? If you want to be poor, find some rich friends. And the converse is true, of course, as well. If you want to be rich, find some poor friends. Some poor friends. Now, poor and rich, it's all a matter of perspective, isn't it? Uh, Last December, um, I was a part of a, a trip that put in our... 31st water well in Guatemala, Champerico, Guatemala to be exact. And, and this lady had just had this newborn, just a few days old. And look how sad she is and how broken up she is. No, she's joyful. She is filled with light and love because of the new life that has been poured into her and that she's a part of a community that helps care for her, cares for her baby, that they're so you know, entrepreneurial that they can figure out a way to keep the baby safe and even have mosquito netting around her so that, you know, so that this little one uh, can grow uh, and have a wonderful life. She's not sorrowful. She's joyful. And I guarantee you she did not have the benefits that each and every one of us had this morning getting up. And, and it wasn't just her. Uh, the matriarch of the community, some of you have heard me talk about her before, her name is Sixta. And look how tall she is. This is the head of the community. And she's a joyful woman. She actually went around 
to every hut once they got there. They had moved down from another area of Guatemala. And she went around each and every hut to gather funds to build their church. These are people who don't have walls on their homes, friends. But they knew the power of worship. They knew the power of gratitude. They knew it was important that they give thanks to God for caring for them. And as we worked on the well and we taught their children around water safety and the gospel, uh, she would come and bring us snacks. Again, look how broken up she is. Just terribly hard life. This is the church that she built. And, and this is a squash. And it's very important that you eat what they give you. I was very scared. And she gave it to us. And it was wonderful. It was like pumpkin pie. Never had that before. And then she brought me more and some more and some more. But I want you to think about her life. Six to, let's just say, uh, she has less birthdays coming than she's had by a good bit. And her life, her entire life, has looked like this. That in the morning she gets up and she gets water. Now it's dirty water. Water that'll kill you. So she cuts wood. And she makes a fire. And she boils the water. So that it's safe for them to eat and drink. Every day of her life. Day after day after day. And she is a person of joy. And gratitude. And love. And community. She knows something that maybe we've forgotten. And that research bears out. And that is that grateful people have greater life satisfaction. They just do. And you can too. Grateful people report greater life satisfaction as well as lower levels of stress and depression. These folks that we encounter, they're not stressed and depressed. They understand that they're blessed. And any other alliteration I can think of in the moment. Right? So this, this thing about gratitude, it improves your health. It really does. It bolsters your friendships, makes us more patient, more generous, and less materialistic. Particularly, let's talk about friendships and intimate relationships. Think about what would it be like if every time one of your friends or someone in your family had an encounter with you, they said thank you. What would it be like? Thank you for breakfast. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for the roof overheads. Thank you for running water. Thank you for heat in the winter. Thank you for air conditioning in the summer. Thank you for the ability to drive. Thank you for transportation. Thank you for helping me get a job. Thank you that we have a lawn. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for giving me life. Thank you for being my partner for life. Thank you. What if you were that kind of person for someone else? Do you think your relationship would get better or worse? Seriously, this is not a hard question. (laughs) You better, right? If you're a person of thankfulness and gratitude, your life gets better, and so does the lives of those around you. But in in, in case we just don't really understand gratitude, let, let me be really clear. Gratitude isn't a feeling. It's a practice. Will you say that with me? Gratitude isn't a feeling, it's a practice. And Arthur Brooks should know. He has spent his adult um, vocational life as a social scientist, and what he studies is happiness, human happiness. That, that's his life's work. I recommend it to you. It's really fascinating stuff. And what he's found is that gratitude, it's not a feeling. It's a lifestyle. It's a practice. And, and, and this gratitude, let's dig a little deeper now. Gratitude is the recognition of all that has made it possible to have the life that we have right now, including our ability to experience this moment right now. Gratitude allows you to be fully present in this moment and thank God for where you are, all that's happened to get you to this place, the good, the bad, and the ugly. To say thank you that you've brought me this far and I trust you to bring me home to heaven 
not made with hands, but eternal in the heavens. So friends, so we don't miss it. Gratitude is not a matter of circumstance, but it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. And we know this is so important because God looks at your what? At your heart. We know this as, as far back as the prophet Samuel. He's looking for the, the next king, and he looks for David, a man after God's own what? Heart. Your will, your picker, your intention, your heart. That's where gratitude comes from. Paul, again, he writes now to the church in Philippi, and he says, I know what it is to have a little. I know what it is to have a lot. Right? I know what it is to have plenty. In any and how many circumstances? All of them, all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty, and of being in need. And then he says this, if you'll read it with me. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. A little bit, a lot, doesn't matter. All things through Christ who strengthens me. In any case, he says, it's kind of you to share my distress. I always love those taglines Paul does. Oh, and by the way, thanks. Right? He's a person of gratitude. And it changes his life. Again, Brother uh, Rast would say it like this. He says, when you are grateful, you are not fearful. That's important. Hear that again. When you're grateful, you're not fearful. And when you're not fearful, you're not violent. Man, does our world need to hear that. When you're grateful, you are not fearful. And when you are not fearful, you are not violent. If you're grateful, you are enjoying the differences between people. And respectful to all people. A grateful world is a world of joyful people. Grateful people are joyful people. A grateful world is a happy world. Churches across our nation have different prayer stations in front of their churches that look like this. 19 little elementary chairs and two adult chairs honoring those that were murdered at the elementary school. We chose not to do this as a church because I know some of you haven't talked to your kids about it. Right? They were already out of school. And this is a conversation you need to have at the right time, but we figured on your way to a hot dog was not it. Right? Church after church after church, we are with you. We are with the families. I hope you're praying for the families who lost loved ones. You're praying for every teacher, every principal in our country that has to go to school again. And the way that makes them feel, what they go through, and our children as well. Friends, people who are grateful are not afraid, not fearful. And when you put that fear aside and you're not fearful, you no longer need to be violent. You're perfectly safe, and so is the world. The, the truth of this is so important is that gratitude connects. Say that with me. Gratitude connects. Super important. It connects us to God and one another. When we thank someone, we feel more affection to them, don't we? And that connection with them when we say thank you. That's true with God as well. So gratitude connects, but envy destroys. We say these two with me. Gratitude connects. Envy destroys. Memorize that. Live that. Say that to yourself every day. If you don't know anything else, just hold on to that. It'll change your life. Gratitude connects you, others, God. Envy destroys you, others, God. Envy simply saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. You haven't given me enough. Is that really the situation you want to be in with the Lord of Almighty? No, we don't. 
Diana Butler Bass uh, writes about it this way. She says, gratitude is not only an emotion, it is something we do. But it is not a program. It's like tending a garden lifestyle. It takes planting and watering, weeding. It takes time and attention. It takes learning. It takes routine. But eventually the ground yields, shoots come forth, and thanksgiving blooms. You just have to live into it and trust God with the results, with the response. It's like gardening. There's an ancient Tibetan uh, saying and sort of rule of life uh, that mirrors the teaching of Jesus. But it's, it's painfully true. And people will ask, well, where does suffering come from? Where does pain come from? Where does this evil come from? Well, the ancients would say it like this. Suffering comes from envy toward the above. Competitiveness toward the equal. And contempt toward the lower. And man, isn't that where our culture lives? Envy toward those who have more than we do. We compete with those that we think have the same. So that we can take a step up. And as soon as we take even the tiniest step up, we have contempt for the place we were just a day ago. You see how messed up that is? It will absolutely rob you of your joy. And this problem of envy, it's been around since the time of Moses and the Ten Commandments. Matter of fact, it is the tenth of the big Ten Commandments. You know, beginnings and endings are important, right? Beginning is, you know, no other gods before me. Got to hold on to this one. And then the last one is what? I know, tricky, huh? Don't covet. Don't envy. You've got enough. I know what I'm doing, says the Lord. So in case we've forgotten, here's sort of the last half of the Ten Commandments. Number six, same with me. You shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then you have all of this. Because this is where we struggle. It's not so short, is it? These are all really short. Like, okay, we get that. But then God says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or their male or female slave or their ox or their donkey or, say it with me, anything that belongs to your neighbor. None of it. Why? Every commandment is a covered blessing, John Wesley would say, our founder. Every commandment is there to bless you, to help you, not to hurt you, but to bless you. Why is this so important? Because envy doesn't leave any room for joy. There's no room for joy in a life of envy. Takes it right out of the room, says Douglas Abrams in his research on joy. And he's right. Now, you've heard me say this over and over and over again. I hope you will hold on to this. Maybe even delete your Instagram account because comparison is the thief of joy and gratitude. It just is. You know this to be true. You had a great day. Everything's going fine. And then one of your friends posts their vacation on Instagram. You're like, God, my life sucks. It was fine just a second ago. But not anymore, because somebody has more than you do, is doing something more fun than you're doing, or maybe show that they're smarter than you. Friends, there's not a day in your life there won't be somebody who has more than you. There won't be a day in your life where somebody's smarter than you. And there won't be a day in your life that somebody somewhere is having the time of their life. Get over it. Right? I mean, just own that. You can't have it all, all the time. And this is, this is like in our DNA. It is like bone deep. Last week, I introduced you to a guy named Franz DeWall. He's a primatologist, and he has this video of an experiment that he did. And so in just a moment, if you'll go ahead and put up the QR code for the folks online, I'm going to show you this, this video that he did. It's about an experiment where 
uh, with the capuchin monkeys, where the monkey gives the experimenter a rock, just a tiny rock. And then that monkey receives a cucumber, a slice of cucumber. And, and the monkey is happy to do this over and over again. The relationship is strong. It's good. It's happy. It's content. Just rock cucumber, rock cucumber until there's another monkey in a little cell cage right by him. That monkey, whom the other monkey can see, gives him a rock. And the experimenter gives him a grape. Now, are grapes or cucumbers more fun to eat? Grapes. I mean, anybody that's had a cucumber or a grape, they know this to be true. And so do monkeys. A grape in the monkey world is far better than a cucumber slice. You wonder what happened? So did I. Let's take a look. Getting grape and you will see what I was fine with the cucumber. Isn't it true that one of the ugliest and most embarrassing words to describe someone is ungrateful? If you're a parent or grandparent, you've been at a party, somebody that you esteem or honor comes and gives your child or grandchild a gift or a friend of yours a gift, and they don't show any gratitude, it is mortifying, isn't it? One of the worst days of your life. It's like, oh, who raised those kids? Not me. (laughs) It's just ugly. It's ugly. Now, Douglas Abrams would say that acceptance means not fighting reality. We talked about that two weeks ago. We're going to accept that. But gratitude is much more than that. Gratitude means embracing reality. It means moving from counting your burdens to counting your blessings. To really embrace all the goodness of life. To welcome it and say, yes, this is good, this is good. That's terrible, but this is good, and this is good, and this is good. The scripture says it this way. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Say it with me. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, is it true that there are some churches in some places that have been spiritually abusive with this text? Absolutely. Sure they have. But that's not a reason for us to not see the power and meaning of what it's supposed to mean. And that is that our sacred scriptures teach us to rejoice always because it helps us. It's right to God, but it helps us too. And to pray always and to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. This last week's been a really hard week on our church. We lost one of our great saints. Her name, Deb Royster. She passed away almost exactly a week ago this afternoon. I got the call at 2.42, which I thought was appropriate as her pastor of this church. She's somebody I worked thousands of hours with for your good, for the good of the community, to build this church, to pay off the other church. We were out of debt for about a day and a half. Uh, She was amazing with numbers. She was a certified public accountant, took care of everybody she knew, family, friends, always like that. Beautiful, wonderful saint of god and um hey deb how you doing because she's with us still and so are everybody that loved her including myself but here here's the thing friends cancer is terrible we would never thank god for cancer but we did thank god in the midst of that loss on thursday at 2 p.m right here 
We gave thanks in that circumstance for Deb, for the life that God gave her, the life that she poured into others, the difference she made for you and for me, for this church, for this community, to to save people's lives around the world, to feed hungry kids here in Edmond, Oklahoma, to make this place hum financially for 10 out of 12 years without getting paid anything, just out of blood, sweat, and tears on top of her very difficult CPA practice. In those circumstances, we gave thanks to God for her, with her, and to honor her. Again, Brother Rast would say this. He says, it is not happiness that makes us grateful. It is gratefulness that makes us happy. Every moment is a gift. Every moment. Even those that are difficult. And the truth of the matter is that you can't worry and be grateful at the same time. Jesus teaches about this in Matthew 6, 5, 6, and 7 on the Sermon on the Mount. Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. It's very similar to do not be afraid. Those are really connected. As you may know, the scriptures say, do not be afraid 365 times. Isn't that a quinky dink? Every day we have to be reminded, don't worry, don't be afraid, don't worry, don't be afraid. Diana Butler Bass would say it this way. She says, gratitude involves not only what we feel, but also what we do. Gratitude now and in the future arises from practice. Gratitude is something we do. Friends, gratitude is a choice. I beg you to choose it. Change your life. Change the lives of those around you. And it's important not only for us, but it's important to God. It was important to Jesus. And we know this because of the story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17, where Jesus tells a story on himself. This is accounted in the Gospel of Luke. And and this story about Jesus is accounted this way. It says, On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, how many lepers? Ten. Approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests, because that's the only way you could be made whole back into community. Right? You, you were exiled. You had to be away until the priest said you were clean. Then you could come back in. It was public safety. And as they went, holy smokes, they were made clean. On the way to the priest, Jesus had healed them. And then the scripture says, Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back. Praising God with a loud voice, he prostrated himself, which is to lay down, face down, at Jesus' feet, and he thanked him. He was a person of gratitude. And he was a Samaritan. Now, you may know that there was nothing worse than a Samaritan if you were Jewish, and there was nothing worse uh, in that relationship. Jews did not like Samaritans. Samaritans did not like Jews. You weren't to have anything to do with them. Yet, he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? Huh, I could have sworn there were ten of you. Then he says this. But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Now the scriptures assume that the other nine were Jewish, that they should have known. In the same way we should know. To give thanks to our Father in heaven. Then Jesus said to them, Get up. Go on your way. Your faith has made you well. His gratitude made him well, friends. His thankfulness made him whole and well and right with God and his community. But make no mistake, friends. Gratitude is not a transaction. It's not. It is a free response to a gift. It is a gift. And notice the scripture doesn't say, Jesus said, and you have to thank me or I'm not going to heal you. Right? That's not the story. Jesus heals all ten because that's who Jesus is. 
He's a, a God of mercy, a God of healing, a God of grace, a God of love. And you have the ability, because of your character, to be a person of love and a grace and a mercy and forgive, not because they thank you, but because that's your character, because Christ lives in you. Now, if somebody says thank you, that's nice, isn't it? And appropriate and good. But that's not why we do it. It's not why Jesus did it. Because Jesus is salvation himself. Sozo, healing, wholeness. But make no mistake, friends. One of the things we learned from this story is that unexpressed gratitude is no gratitude at all. It really doesn't matter if you think it. Because gratitude's a practice. Gratitude's something we do. Y'all remember high school when you graduated high school? Your mom was on you for months? Write those thank you notes. Mama knew something. Some of you are like, oh, dang, I still got to do that. I wasn't talking about the kids. I'm talking about us adults, right? Unexpressed gratitude is no gratitude at all. It's just not. doesn't matter if you think it. doesn't matter if you feel it. We have to express it. We have to say thanks to God, thanks to one another. And so you have three action steps this week. You don't have to do any of them. These are just suggestions. These are things that if you do them, your life will get better. Don't trust me. I stole these from Arthur Brooks. And he has spent his whole life studying happiness. And so um, if you don't like them, blame him. But here they are. First of all, start a gratitude list today, regardless of how you feel about it. It's not about your feelings. Don't worry about that. And, and a matter of fact, if you're pretty grumpy and you're like, I'm not doing that, then you're the one that needs to do it for sure, right? Because it'll change your life. So I, I want to share with you uh, a piece of important wisdom of our Christian tradition that Jesus teaches us. Are you ready for the nugget? Here it is. When you look for things to be grateful for, you find them. You really do. Seek, and you will find. If you want to find goodness, you'll find it. If you want to find darkness, you'll find it. If you, if you Google search goodness, you'll find it. If you Google search badness, you'll find it. Be careful what you search for. You'll find it. It's a truism that Jesus is telling you. What you search for, you will find. What you seek, you will find. What you pay attention to, you will find. Makes sense, doesn't it? So if you look for things to be grateful for, you'll find them. And you look for other things, you'll find that too. So that's one. The second would be to simply take a walk uh, by yourself and repeat the phrase, I'm blessed and I will bless others. Look at the trees. I'm blessed. I'll bless others. The fact that you can walk, I'm blessed. I will bless others. You look at the sky and the birds, the cardinals flying by. I'm blessed. I will bless others. Change the way you look at the world. And then finally, uh, and thirdly, now some of you all won't like this. That's okay. It works. To increase your sense of gratitude by 11%, this is double digits, friends. This is on average, 11%. They've studied this out. You are to contemplate your death. People who actually step back and go, this is probably how I'm going to die, or if I died today, this is what it would look like. It's amazing how your life turns. It's a wonderful life, you find out. All these things that you can be grateful for, the actual joy level rises 11%. Anthony Ray Hinton had a lot of time to consider his death. He was on death row for 30 years for a crime he did not commit. And when he was arrested, he was told by the police officers that he was going to jail because he was black. And he said, but I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong. They said, it doesn't matter. Your judge is white. The jury's going to be white. We're white. You're black. You're going to jail. They were right. He did. He spent 30 years in a five-by-seven-foot cell. 
I'm six feet, friends. Seven feet? Five feet. 30 years. He was allowed out one hour a day. The rest of the time he was in that cell for 30 years. And when a unanimous Supreme Court decision came down and he was finally released, he walked free. And Hinton told Douglas Abrams, the writer of the Book of Joy, he says, one does not know the value of freedom until it's taken away. And then he said this, People run out of the rain. I run into the rain. How can anything that falls from heaven not be precious? Having missed the rain for so many years, I am so grateful for every drop just to feel it on my face. That's gratitude. Now, Hinton was interviewed by Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes. And Pelley asked, but they took 30 years of your life. How can you not be angry? And Hinton said, if I'm angry and unforgiving... They will have taken the rest of my life. He wasn't giving them that. Now, if you're online, I invite you to hit that QR code. We're going to just show the last minute of that 12-minute segment. You know what joy looks like? Hear Ray Hinton in his own words. And that is the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, with the confidence of the children of God, let's pray the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen.